Alright everyone, welcome back to the fourth episode of the Cause for Joy podcast. Number four, we're just cruising along. We are. We are so glad to be on the journey with you. I was just really reflecting on that earlier. Just wow, we are on a journey together and it is a joy. It's been awesome getting feedback too from people who have started listening as these episodes have been coming out the Mm -hmm. last few weeks and just getting feedback. Like people are really appreciative of this and they're they're along they're sharing it with people they're talking about it which is really cool to see I, yeah it's it's fantastic and you know it's this is something that just was placed on my heart and it just came into reality and i keep reminding myself this is the holy spirit you know it's the holy spirit that's leading and guiding us and that's what we have to do we just say yes to to god and go with it right yeah. It's so, so cool. But Excited to see what's what's left to come, you know, as this continues to unfold, too. Right. We're just getting started, baby. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, so I have a question, though. Please. What is your favorite food? What's my favorite food? I would have to say probably, well, it, it'd probably be a tie. It'd either be ribs. Oh. Right? I know. it's We're getting into fall, and I'm already mm. kind of pulling us back to the joys of summer. I'd say that, or um, when my dad makes venison on the grill, like, mm. that's pretty hard to beat as well, which, again, summer, nostalgia. Sorry to do that, but it's just the honest truth. It's yeah. my favorite foods. Man, I'm, like, really hungry. And the reason why I asked you this question is because I'm hungry, and Stephen also just said that he's hungry. Uh, Not so, sure that talking about food. Would I know help it does. I know, but we can. It's this is wishful thinking right now, right? So, I had a pack of crackers as my dinner earlier today. So, if that's that's oh. just where we're at right now, I didn't have time to eat. Very much. saintly of you, right? But I will say, one of my favorite things to eat is shredded chicken sandwiches, and Ooh. I feel like it's an Ohio thing. I, not too many other states. They're like, what? Shredded chicken? What? No, I've never heard of that. Yo. I've heard of shredded chicken tacos, but not sandwich. Oh, it's so good. Wow. It is so good. See, another reason why Ohio is great, right? It's okay. And God bless anyone who's listening to this who's actually from Ohio, you know. Um, you know, God bless you. You're made in the image and likeness of God. You're just not in the right state. That's all. It's, it's just that simple. Wow. I... That's harsh. It's, you know, life's harsh. So in my office, I have a, a dish full of Buckeyes, like the actual nut, the mm. Buckeyes. But you can't eat it because it's poisonous. But uh, I find great joy in uh, looking and representing my, you know, proud state. Because mm. we're the Buckeye state. It's not just the Ohio state Buckeyes. It's like we are the Buckeye state. So Well, we we love our Ohio listeners. We're just, uh, we're just having fun here. But. And we all love... Our Ohio co-host. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. There we go. See, that wasn't so hard. It's uh, it's taken me a lot of healing to get to this point. But hey, speaking of healing, see what I did there? Whoa. Look at that. (laughs) So Emma just recently went to a healing conference put on by the JP2 Healing Center, which Mm. does phenomenal work. I've been familiar with them the last few years. Um, I've read a lot of books by one of the leaders of it, which is Dr. Bob Schutz. And I think we end up incorporating some of his material uh, throughout this podcast. I think Mm -hmm. we might tap into that. But Emma, you actually got the chance to go to a conference that they put on recently. And I know you wanted to share some of those graces. So could you kind of unpack what that conference was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was a four-day conference um, and just it was so great. I will just say from the get-go, it was so great to go and to be fed. 
uh, I've read uh, several of Dr. Bob Shute's uh, books, and uh, Sister Miriam James was also there presenting. And just hearing her story, I've, I've heard her story many times. I've read several things. I've listened to several things from her. So uh, it was interesting to hear her story, but then also where she's come since, you know, having those. And just gaining the, the techniques and gaining the tools to really dive into my own heart, right? So we're all wounded. We are all broken. We are all experiencing hurts and wounds, right? We all experience uh, rejection or abandonment to some degree and just other lies. Uh, and and they, in the workbook that they gave us, this is really what struck out, stuck out to me a lot, was they had this uh, tree of good and evil is what it was. And they had different areas, like in the, the top part of the, the bush part, the leaf part of the tree, it was uh, the fruit of the sin, you know, so it's the things that we would go to confession for. So maybe oh, I was, uh, you know, sarcastic, or maybe I was wasn't nice, or gossiping, or slander, or whatever. You know, your typical sins that you would normally point out, and then the trunk of the tree where you would name the root sin, and then you get into the seven deadly sins. So what is the actual deadly sin in all of that? And then you break it apart to the roots, which are like different wounds or different vows that we would say, like I would never be like my mother or my father or my grandparents, or I will never do this, or I will never treat anyone like this. So those vows that we make, but then also lies that we would say about ourselves are part of that. And then ultimately the very, very bottom part it gets at is, well, what is the wound? What caused all of this? And seeing that image was just, it was really beautiful to pray through, right? And I'm still not even done praying through it, uh, it takes time, but also throughout the conference, I was reminded of uh, in, a, in a meditation and a prayer. It was just it was before our Lord exposed in the Blessed Sacrament of just two events from my childhood that uh, really were the root causes, the root wounds of some of my greatest fears. Mm-hmm. And it was just very beautiful for me to uh, experience that. Right, that these. These two events, I remember exactly where I was. Like it was just this, that weird flashback where the, the Holy Spirit just took me and just said, these are the moments in which you, the reason why you feel these two biggest fears. Uh, specifically for me, uh, just sharing from my own personal experience, it's feeling of, of rejection or abandonment, right? And it was just these, these two areas, right? And it was just, so the Lord brought me back there and just started to heal those. And it's been freedom like it's been freeing to now obviously there's still work that goes with that but for me like that was the thing that really was beautiful for me to experience that and for the Lord to bring that to surface and how much more healing that will bring and freedom you know so that was really beautiful uh, for me to just experience that to be fed and to see others also just those around me at the conference experience that as well so it was very beautiful and I encourage uh, everyone if you have the opportunity uh, to, to partake in that or to at least read some of the books uh, that the JP2 Healing Center uh, offers. It's just phenomenal. And uh, I'm looking forward to implementing some of the tools and techniques to different areas of my life and different things that I'm involved in to, for others to experience that as well. Because like I said, we're all wounded. We all have those wounds. Um, and Jesus wants to heal. He wants to put his finger into those wounds. As painful as it is, he wants to put his finger into those wounds and uh, so yeah, it was just it was a very beautiful conference. I can't speak highly enough of it. So yeah, thanks so much. I really want to honor your vulnerability there as yeah. well with with what you shared, and just um, that's that's kind of a, an example of how 
when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, when we allow ourselves to um, acknowledge those places in our own hearts, that's where the Lord's grace and his mercy, his healing are able to enter into. So yeah, I honor you for that. And then to kind of reiterate what you said at the end there, um, a, a big book that talks about the tree that Emma was illustrating for us is the book Be Healed by Bob Schutz. And he also is on a podcast called Restore the Glory. So I would highly recommend that podcast in addition to this one if you want to get more into yeah. those topics of healing. And I second that too. Just uh, the Restore the Glory podcast is great and Be Healed is, is phenomenal as well. And I actually, I bought one of his newer books, Be Restored. Uh, which is all on the healing power of the sacraments. So I haven't started re- reading that, but I am. Or is it be re- restored or be transformed? One be, of those. Be two. transformed is about the sacraments. There be restored, restored has is, to do with sexual wounds. That's right. That's his newest book. Correct. So I'm still needing to buy that one, but I'm looking t- for that as well. I just uh, on the the wounds of the church universal. So I'm looking mm. forward to that. So be restored. Yeah. But so it's be transformed that I bought and okay. I'm excited to read that one too. So yeah, maybe future episodes will be unpacking some of those Absolutely. themes in a little greater oh, detail. That'd be great. So. That'd be great. So be. anyways, so just, yeah, a little recap of what's happened in my life. And so I just want to kind of pick up as we're on this theme of healing and maybe desires and what the Lord is trying to do in our inner self, right? Uh, just kind of check in where we left off in the last episode. We talked a lot about desires, right? So we talked about how do we hand over our desires to God? How do we order them in a proper way uh, so as to seek ultimately God's desire for our lives, right? And to keep him first. And so I don't know, Father Kevin, how's that been going for you over the past week here? So I actually had a really um, powerful moment in prayer with kind of taking this exercise of acknowledging my desires, bringing them to the Lord consciously because how often we have these subconscious desires that we don't even realize. Um, But I I was recognizing over the span of a couple of days, um, just acknowledging like a deep desire that I had in those moments to be seen. Mm. For whatever reason, I felt like I wasn't being seen. And so I just began to acknowledge um, a deep desire to be seen. And then I also was aware of maybe different ways that I was um, putting myself out there in maybe unhealthy ways, maybe to seek attention and to be like self-centered because it was coming out of this root of a good desire of wanting to be seen. And so when I, when I could acknowledge that was at the root of a lot of those behaviors, I just brought that to the Lord in prayer, just acknowledge, you know, Lord, like I really, for whatever reason, don't feel as seen as I would like. And I want to bring that desire to you and, and, you know, maybe you can do something about that, you know? And so what, what I ended up being led to in prayer was the passage from John chapter one, where, uh, Jesus is speaking with Nathaniel, and uh, Nathaniel comes to him, and Jesus says, "Here's a true Israelite. There's no duplicity in him." And Nathaniel's like, "Who is this guy?" And he goes up to Jesus. He goes, "How do you know me?" And Jesus has this beautiful line where he says, "Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree." And if you've seen the Chosen listeners, um, it's a series that's out there right now. You can watch a lot of the episodes on YouTube. It's basically depicting the life of Jesus through the eyes of the apostles, and they they reenact this scene in a very beautiful way. And basically how they interpret it is that when Nathaniel was at his lowest point, he was sitting under the fig tree, yelling out to God, saying, do you see me? You know, really crying out from the depths of his heart there. And then, you know, a couple days later, Jesus says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. So it was just beautiful to pray with Nathaniel and just that, um, 
that sense of being seen by the Lord. And it was very providential because that day, I believe, was the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And mm-hmm. so that was actually the gospel reading for the day. So I heard it again in Mass. And then uh, the homily at the Mass that I was at was given by the bishop. And he reinforced that theme again in his homily about how the Lord sees you in everything that makes up your heart, the challenges, the joys, the, your circumstances. He sees you in all of that. So it was just a very um, affirming prayerful moments when I was able to acknowledge those desires, bring them to the Lord, and then uh, see how he wanted to speak to me into those. So that's that's one experience that I had this week of acknowledging a desire and bringing it to prayer. Sure. That's beautiful. Yeah, wow. Thanks. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, and I think we all want to be seen at some degree, right? Uh, we want to be seen and we want to be known. Mm-hmm. And so that's, wow, thank you. That's, that's great. I would say for me, I think it's uh, just this past week and just the desire of my vocation, you know, what do I desire? Uh, but all, and that, with that comes, you know, sorting out, okay, well, these are some of the goals that I had planned for my life. Uh, where does a desire for discerning a proper vocation, where does that fit in, you know, and what path really uh, suits that. I think I know. I, I think I know in the depths of my heart, um, and I think others do as well. It's coming to that point of just fully that that full surrender, and then just figuring out some other logistics and things like that. But uh, that desire, that burning desire to to just serve the Lord and and all of that, um, because that's a it's a life commitment, you know. And so it's like you want to serve the Lord, and you want to uh, make sure that you're following the the will that He has for you. Uh, walking with him and not walking against him. So I would say that's probably for me over the past week, how, how I've been, you know, ordering my desires. That's great. Taking that to the Lord. So anyways, why don't you uh, take us into the topic for today? So this is an exciting topic, I think, you know. Sure. So So I I think the title of the episode is going to be A New Joy. Is that right? uh, Yeah. Which I'm told has something to do with a certain saga about people who have these wars in the stars. I can't remember the name of the <laughs> series, though. Can you help me out? I, uh, I'm kind of blanking at the moment. It's like uh, star battles or... Uh, wow, this is painting uh, me. This is painting me. You, you know this series? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm a huge um, Star Wars nerd. So. Ah, okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So star this is, Wars. So it's a new joy. New joy. A yes. new joy. A new we're joy. Gonna, so we're, we'll really kind of dive into what does this joy look like? You know, how do we order that happiness? So. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about um, joy versus happiness. So those are actually two different things. And I think we want to break those open because, again, like if, if you listen to the intro for our podcast, we talk about like our joy and our coffee is overflowing, right? Um, but what about when times get tough? Like what what does that look like? And uh so we, we want to be able to be real about what joy is and what it's not, especially since that's the name of our podcast and that's going to be a theme throughout our episodes. We want to kind of have one episode really dedicated to unpacking what joy is and what it's not. So I think, Emma, if you want to begin by um, helping us to first differentiate between joy versus happiness, um, because that's a distinction that I don't think very many people are aware of, and then maybe we can unpack that and apply it to our own lives. I think that'd be helpful for our listeners. Yeah, it, there's and it, they can get muddy water. I will say between joy and happiness, but I always view happiness as more of a fleeting emotion. Right. right. It's that you feel happy in the moment, right? And that's not a bad thing. Like obviously, we want to seek out those moments, but of course. 
ultimately, when you talk about joy, right, it is, uh, that's a fruit of the spirit. Like joy is this fruit of the spirit. And when it's a fruit of the spirit, you know that it's coming directly from God and it's meant to be everlasting, right? It's meant to be eternal. And so a lot of things can bring us joy, right? But to make that distinction between joy and happiness, I like I, like I said, I view that happiness as that, that in the moment emotion. You know, what are you feeling in that moment that's bringing you that happiness? And Yes, some of those things that that bring happiness ultimately also bring us joy, uh, but the joy is what we we seek in the eternal. The joy right? lasts when the happiness fades. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. A good exactly. That joy will be there even when things get hard, even when we want to give up. That joy will still be there. Uh, and some days you may not feel very joyful, but yet in in your heart you're still you still feel that. There's a joy there, right? There's a, still a, a skip in your step that maybe others don't have. Uh, and it, that comes from Jesus, right? That comes uh, from that gift of the hope of eternal life. And so that's the distinction that I would, I would give between uh, joy and happiness. And actually, uh, Father Robert Spitzer has uh, what are called the four levels of happiness, right? And Ultimately, where he's getting at is, and I'll talk about this when I unpack them, is in, in level four is where we seek joy. So just really briefly going through through each of these levels, uh, I won't spend too much time on them, but I encourage you if you want to learn more to, to Google, you can Google Father Robert Spitzer's um, Four Levels of Happiness. But the first one, so the level one is your, it's the lowest level. So it's this immediate gratification and so it's just like, what brings us pleasure? Uh, maybe a cup of coffee, or maybe it's, maybe it is money, or maybe it's, you know, just maybe it's being at work, or maybe it's watching TV or something just very surface level. Instant gratification is what we think of when we think of this immediate gratification. It's, it's that instant gratification, lack of self-worth, or, you know, fear of, of tangible loss or harm, you know, things like that. If you start to feel those things, you know that you're kind of, uh, stuck in this level one, right? That you have fears or or other things that may pull you away from other things around you. Or maybe something super simple is like Sour Patch Kids. Like they're good, they make you happy, yeah. but then like if you eat a bunch of them at once, then all of a sudden you have a stomach ache and now you're miserable. Right, exactly. Or <laughs> same, thing, same thing with ice cream or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. So that's that immediate gratification. So the, And then level two, so this is the step up, is comparative or personal achievement. So it's your like ego-centeredness better than gain advantage. So you're really looking at, okay, what am I doing like in work? Am I working to where I'm trying to promote myself, right? Or you're, what are you doing to try to make yourself better? It's that personal achievement, uh, personal power and control. But you also may find yourself falling into maybe jealousy or fear, fear of failure, contempt, isolation, loneliness, cynicism, things like that uh, if you aren't performing well. So it's a lot of that performance-based uh, personal achievement and or you're comparing yourself to other people. So but that's the second level. And so you achieve happiness there when you are doing better, right? Whether you're pushing yourself better or maybe you notice you're doing, you're doing better than someone else. But that would, that would be the... Uh, the second level. And the gratification there is going to be short-term. So we went from immediate gratification, now we're short-term. Level three is um, contributive uh, 
gratification. So it, it's more of a long term, but this is you're starting to do good beyond yourself. So maybe you are giving some funds or, or you're giving alms to other people. You're helping people out. Uh, you're making an optimal positive difference in other people's lives, right? So you're not just doing good to yourself, but you're starting to do good to others. Uh, principles would include like love, community, justice, intrinsic good, uh, but decisions are focused on the greater good. So you're starting to look outward. So you're starting to achieve a deeper joy, right? Because you're starting to look outward, but you're still not fully there yet. And so then level four would be ultimate good. And so this is participate in giving and receiving. So that's ultimately also another key characteristic of joy is that we give and we receive, right? We're not just giving, 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 or we're not just receiving, 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 but there's that exchange, that flow. And we're not necessarily, actually, we're not at all expecting anything in return, We give out of the goodness of our hearts. And that's where this ultimate good in level four is coming from. We give our love. We give the the things that are good to us. We give those also to other people because that's what God himself did for us, right? And so uh, the principles here include the ultimate truth, the ultimate love, the ultimate justice, the ultimate beauty, right? Which comes from God. And so this is an eternal happiness, right? So this is an eternal joy, right? And so the gratification there will never end. And that's so when we look at these three levels, we ultimately see like, okay, levels one, two, and three very easily can get jumbled up, right? We can, we can prioritize one over the other. But when it comes to level four, that is the one when we talked last episode about desires and ordering those desires, level four is what we are talking about placing first, Right. When we have that first in our lives, the other three could be kind of mixed up and ordered differently as long as we have the ultimate good, the ultimate joy that's Jesus first in our lives and ordered properly. And so as we unpack that for our own lives and as we shared our desires and trying to pray through ordering our desires, what we're doing is we are praying through placing that desire, those desires in this level four of ultimate good to try to find the ultimate joy that is in Jesus. And so, like I said, it's easy to get those mixed up. You can put them in different orders, but are we shooting for that level four, right? Are we shooting for that ultimate good? And I mean, I I can speak for myself, like I fall short in prioritizing level four several times, you know, and even several times a day. But it's just a good reminder of where are we going? Where are our thoughts and our actions going? How are they feeding into others? And, and are they ultimately seeking that good? And so, like we talked about last time, God is order. And yes, it's important that we seek that order. Uh, but it's also just a reminder, we don't want to beat ourselves up about it either. You know, we, we need to give ourselves some grace because God is gracious, he is merciful, and we need to be able to have that as well towards ourselves. And so, uh, so that's kind of the, the four levels of, of happiness that Robert Spitzer shares, but he also shares that shooting for that level four of ultimate joy. So I don't know, Father, if you have any thoughts or even just personal experiences with this. Well, just as I'm, I mean, I'm kind of hearing this for the first time and kind of going through these notes and something that's striking me just as you're describing this is um, how 
I don't know if this is a stretch or not, but it's I think it's worth unpacking. Like when someone who's in religious life uh, takes the three traditional vows, they take the vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about in level one that there's the immediate gratification, the things that give us pleasure and minimize pain. And uh, it's the, the person who enters into that religious life takes on the vow of poverty so that in a sense they kind of detach themselves from the good things of the earth that can bring the immediate gratification. The level two was personal achievement and uh, the religious, or like in my case as a diocesan priest, we, we also take the uh, a promise of obedience. And that's really saying like, I don't get to just do whatever I want. I'm putting myself under the obedience, in my case, of a bishop in religious life, in the case of, of a superior and contributive, you know, with, with chastity. Again, I'm, I'm giving of myself um, in a way that's, you know, can be a true gift of myself to this community, if it's religious life, or, you know, for a married person to this one person, my spouse. And when you look at the saints who lived out poverty, chastity, and obedience well, those are joyful people. And that doesn't make sense to the world mm -hmm. because the world thinks that in order to be happy, in order to be joyful, like it's level one, level two, level three, and that's it. But what the saints discovered, the saints particularly, I think, who took on poverty, chastity, and obedience show us that in giving up some of those legitimate goods for the sake of taking on more of the things of level four, like they were able to experience a joy that somebody in level one, two, or three would not be able to experience. So that was just something striking me as you were going through mm -hmm. one, two, three, um, how the church in her wisdom makes these vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience to help facilitate the joy of number four. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. And I mean, I love looking at the lives of religious. It just, the more that I get to know um, just more religious sisters and even some of the religious brothers that I know, it's just, it's amazing to see how that obedience helps to order their desires and ultimately helps them to find greater joy. Like it is just, it is so beautiful to see that lived out. And it's genuine. Yeah, right? it is genuine. Yeah. And you're, and then they radiate that joy and you're like, uh, I want that. Like right. and that's a, because it's attractive. Exactly. Right. And it's beautiful to see that, to just see that joy radiating from them. Like it's just, I just want to give them a big hug because it's, it's so beautiful. And it's like you said, it's genuine. And so, uh, yeah, that's, thank you for that reminder. And I think we often forget that in, as in the secular world, we forget that promise of obedience, but then it's not a drag and it's not something that is meant to be, you know, a hindrance, but it's to give us life, right? To give us more life to the fullest. And so. And again, you see yeah. that in marriage as well, right? The husband yeah, saying, absolutely. I give up myself totally to you. Your needs are number one in my right. life. The wife absolutely. says, your needs are number one in my life. So it's that mutual submission, even in marriage, uh, that can lead to a true joy and a, and a fruitful love in that marriage as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. but uh, also I know you mentioned a, a little bit, at least in the, the notes here that you would share just maybe a little bit about your own life and trying to work through some of this. So I just, I want to honor some time here for you to be able to share uh, a little bit of your, your journey and uh, just how you work through this and even in your own life too. Yeah. So the, the, the topic of joy has always been kind of a tricky one for me. Um, maybe after childhood, because I think as children, for the most part, most of us have 
that natural joy, right, as kids. Um, so I think as I've grown into an adult, I've started to see, I guess, some different challenges when it comes to joy because for me, again, and before we kind of went through this differentiation between joy versus happiness, I guess I always got the impression that joy was kind of, you had to look like this super bubbly cheerleader, right? You had to be just like super happy and just pumped up all the time and like, isn't God great? And like, life is awesome and like, that's joy. And if that's the case, like that just sounds exhausting. And I, I don't have the energy to do that. I don't think most people do. And then, especially for myself, you know, you do these different uh, personality inventories and, and the temperaments and whatnot. And one of the things I found out about myself is that uh, part of my temperament is something called melancholic, which can sound as if like that's super just down in the dumps and just super like sad and you know all all the time. But there's there's some good attributes of of people who are melancholic. You know, melancholics tend to have maybe a deeper appreciation for beauty. Um, they're able to um, talk about kind of the more uh, serious parts of life and. Um, there, there can be a real beauty to that kind of temperament, but I would say it's also not going to be your stereotypical, super bubbly, joyful mm-hmm. person. And so I've, I've re- trying to reconcile that in my own life. Like, how can I be this witness to joy that I'm inspired by in like the lives of some of these sisters, like you were talking about, or some of these other people that we see who just radiate this authentic joy. And yet at the same time, how do I deal with that as someone who has kind of a melancholic temperament. And in addition to that, what I would say is that, again, sometimes I think about how joy seems to be out of touch with reality. Like I think if someone's joyful, that must mean they're naive to the world around us. Because if you really knew the pain and the suffering and the hardships that come in this world, how could you possibly be joyful, right? It almost seems like you're ignoring it. You're repressing it to just put on this mask of happiness. And I was like, I don't want that either, right? Like I want to engage with the reality in this world. I don't want to be out of touch with reality. And so again, that's another tension that I'm personally trying to reconcile. And I, and I think in all of this, you know, I would say that the one who perfectly exemplifies what it means to be joyful is none other than Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we have this image of Jesus as he was always serious, he was always stoic, no emotions. Um, but again, we talked about earlier, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. There's that there's that passage where he just breaks out and prays. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed these to the childlike. You know, so so we know Jesus was a man of great joy, but he was also a man of great suffering as well. Right. I look to him to show me what it means to truly experience joy because he's someone who's not naive to reality, not someone who's out of touch with the suffering and the pain that go with the human condition. In fact, he plunged right into it, right, by becoming man in the first place, the incarnation, and then his paschal mystery, going through the suffering, going through death and descending into hell, like everything that we experience isn't something he's naive to. Um, and yet how, how is it, Jesus, that you can be joyful in all of that? So, so I, I look to him as kind of the model for what that looks like. And I, I, I say that with the disclaimer of like, I, I haven't figured out the magic solution in my life yet. Like I'm, I'm still sure. growing and realizing what it is. I, I have this negative sense of like, I know joy doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like this. But I think I'm still personally... Uh, realizing in my life, how do I reconcile these tensions? How is it that I can 
truly be joyful while not being naive and not being out of touch with reality of the people around me. And I think that that's um, something that I'm going to continue to explore because I, I want to be that joyful witness and I, I want to be filled with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which uh, include joy and peace. But I think if I had to kind of tie it up with what you're saying with the four levels, again, it's this idea of what is my foundation? Um, because theoretically, everything in levels one, two, and three could be taken away. Mm -hmm. And yet, if the foundation is truly rooted in Christ, then that means I can still have joy even when I may not necessarily be happy because I'm suffering or because I'm experiencing some sort of deprivation in my life. And so just like you, I'm, I'm seeking to really uh, take it seriously um, to, in, in this life of prayer and, and the sacraments and whatnot to uh, seek to just root myself more and more in Christ each day so that he's the foundation, so that if everything, if the whole structure were to collapse, um, I wouldn't necessarily collapse with it. I would still, please God, have this foundation which somehow would uh, bring me through with, with Jesus being the constant through it all. Um, so those are just kind of some random thoughts I have about the, uh, you might call it the melancholics guide to Christian joy. Um, I like that. But it's, it's, still, it's still a work in progress, but that's, that's uh, kind of all I got oh, at the moment. Aren't we all still a work in progress, right? Amen. But no, and I find the, the idea and the, the thoughts of our temperaments so crucial. I think we oftentimes forget that our temperaments play a role in our spiritual life too. How do we react and how do we connect with others? And But ultimately, how was that, you know, how do we connect with God as well? And it shouldn't be something that we ignore because God created us with those temperaments. And so it's how do we work with that? So thank you for sharing that that little bit. And uh, if you don't know what your temperament is, you can easily, you know, Google like a temperament quiz or something like that. And I think there's a book out there called The Temperament God Gave You. And it not only yes. helps you discover what it is, but then just like you're saying, it shows how because you're created in this unique way, you have unique ways that God can speak to you and that you can be um, a vessel for his grace. But it also warns you mm. of certain downsides that you need to be aware of. For instance, a melancholic can stay to drag down in the sufferings and can start to become kind of the Eeyore character, right? Yep. So you got to be on guard for that and use the good in what it is that God has given you with this particular uh, personality trait. Right. So. And I know for me, I'm pretty split, I think, between like a phlegmatic and melancholic. Same. And so it's, and I know that, that some people may think, oh, that's not true. You're very, you know, you like to be outgoing and, and such, but that takes work for me. Um, and that's, I have to force myself to do that, to, to get, snap me out of those areas. And so I know, like, I, I think I'm, I'm almost a 50-50 between like a melancholic phlegmatic. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't spent a lot of time praying like, okay, God, what does this look like? How can I use this? Uh, but then what are the things that I need to be on guard with? So I, I consider that a challenge for myself. So, mm -hmm. but uh, just, I, I thank you for sharing that. And like I said, we encourage you to, to maybe consider your own temperaments and how do you find joy in that? Because I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that that really can impact how we experience joy in our lives, you know, and even how can we order our desires too. So, mm -hmm. so anyways, so yeah, we're all still learning. We're all yeah. in the journey, right? Yep. We don't have the answers. We're just trying to point you to the one who does. So. Right. We're trying to point you to the ultimate joy, the ultimate cause of our joy. Ah, hey. and with that... Very nice. All right. Very so nice. with that, what is your one joy for the week? 
So my one joy for the week, I'm currently reading this book by Father Jacques Philippe, who, yes, Emma's freaking out right now. Um, my gosh, if you've never read a book by Father Jacques Philippe, stop what you're doing. <laughs> and Searching for a Maintaining Peace is probably one of my favorites. That's a really good one. I think my favorite so far is Interior Freedom. Uh, that one too. Just kidding. I think they're tied. I read that one. Okay. Okay. If I just threw out another title, would you say actually that one or? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, those. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the one I'm reading now is called "Thirsting for Prayer," um, and yeah, I don't know. There's certain there's certain authors that you click with, right? Like, there's a ton of authors out there. There's a lot of people writing on prayer and other aspects of spirituality. But then sometimes you find your niche. You find your guy. So, like for me, it would be Father Jacques Philippe, and then there's another author named Father Donald Haggerty. And there's just something about their writings that just speaks directly to my heart. And so I've been really just enjoying eating up the words of Father Jacques Philippe and how it's helped me um, to reflect on a few things in my own prayer life. So that's been giving me some joy this week. Father Jacques Philippe's Thirsting for Prayer. That is also a very good book. But I wouldn't say that it ranks up with like interior freedom or searching for maintaining peace. I would say those are definitely probably my two. But Thirsting for Prayer has been good. Time for God is also another good one. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're looking for just a kind of a reset, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a short book, um, but it's good. So okay, we're off the Father Jacques Philippe train. Um, I my one thing would have to be the healing conference. I would say that that that's my one thing for the week is just uh, reflecting on that and just still praying and meditating and uh, just sitting with God in those moments. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like to be joined back into the Trinity? So I would say that's definitely my one thing. So beautiful, love it. Cool. So friends, uh, as we explore this theme of joy and we continue to unpack it in the upcoming episodes, just a reminder, joy is not something that is out of touch with reality. It's precisely in our reality uh, that we find joy. And so look to Jesus, look to how it is that he was able to experience joy amidst everything that he went through and uh, just ask him to help you put him as level four, as your foundation Mm -hmm. so that uh, whatever may come your way, you still have that foundation rooted in him. So until next time, uh, take that to prayer and look to Jesus as the cause for your joy. And we will tell you, we've got some exciting things coming up so you don't want to miss. No, you don't. You do not want to miss the upcoming episodes because they are fantastic and joy-filled. So have a wonderful week. And until next time, continue to find your one joy and rest in God. God bless you guys.